Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. I love this series I've been doing now. Uh, he'll be able to tell, tell me. Uh, I, I don't know how long we've been doing it or how many we've done, but it's been a, quite a while, and it's been a bunch. You know, and initially it was one of those things that I think we had like a, 10, 10, uh, a series of 10 in mind or 6 in mind or whatever, and we just kept going. Uh, we realized there's just so much to talk about. Uh, Dr. David Dozer, uh, he's a professor emeritus from San Diego State University and uh, with a background in journalism and his degree, his doctorate worker is in journalism, and uh, he ideologically, uh, I am uh, I am right of center with a libertarian streak. I had a friend of mine describe me as that. It's a pretty good description, actually. And uh, he is a Berniac. And so we really don't ideologically on issues agree on that many things. But, boy, when we talk about free speech, which I consider sacred and so does he, uh, we have full agreement on that, which is funny because both of our parties uh, that are – I don't have a party. I never really had. But both of those that uh, people identify me with a party and you with a party – uh, neither of them seem to be very uh, big fans of free speech. I'm just grateful that they uh, hate uh, free speech for different reasons. <laughs> Are we being serious trouble? Uh, if they ever get in an agreement, we could have some serious problems. Fortunately, with all the problems people seem to have with the Supreme Court, I don't think they'd make much progress in that front. So they, they, they burn huge amounts of time, uh, wasting time on stuff that they will not change. So anyway... Uh, love having you on. Uh, before we get going, as always, I'd like you to take a minute to talk about your website and your book, which I think is really important. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Kevin. And uh, we have had 27 episodes, and I can't think of a single time where you and I have disagreed about freedom of speech and freedom of the press. I think it's something that uh, uh, it doesn't matter where you fall on the political spectrum. Um, it's the cornerstone of democracy. So uh, my website is uh, daviddozierbooks.com. Last name is spelled D-O-Z-I-E-R. And it talks a little bit about me and uh, about a book I wrote called The California Killing Field. And it's relevant to our conversation today because it discusses in the context of the death penalty in California the ways in which the content of the press can be manipulated uh, and it tries to, you know, get down on the weeds and show you exactly how people are able to do that. And that uh, uh, a recurring theme on this program is that uh, uh, consumers of news need to be sophisticated. Uh, There's nothing that's going to stop misinformation from floating around the Internet uh, except a sophisticated consumer that knows how to think critically about where news comes from, you know, who's it benefiting, uh, and is it accurate? Is it truthful? And so uh, uh, it's in that regard that I totally enjoy coming on once a month and doing um, doing these uh, segments with you, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think we're one of the only. I, I, I've been looking for, and I haven't really found any that focuses on the consumer of the news. Um, almost every show that talks about free speech issues or problems with the news, uh, they want to focus on the news media as if the idea of biased media is somehow novel. It's not. This has been going on as long as media exists. 
existed. You know, I'm sure you taught classes about yellow journalism. And, and uh, you know, the, the only difference now than, say, 30 years ago is, that, is the sheer number of, uh, you know, media outlets that are out there thanks to the uh, democratization of all things of the media and the ease in which uh, you can populate uh, um, the world with content in a place that's easily deliverable like the Internet. That, that's really the only difference. But people have needed – there's been liberal media. There's been conservative media. Frankly, there's been fake news. Well, none of, the, none of these are new. None of these are new. What's news – what is new is the volume of it and the rapidity of it. And so all the answer is not, is not shutting that down. The answer is people learning about how to be good consumers of the news. And that is our primary objective. And I don't think – I not only think nobody does it like us, I think nobody does it besides us. I don't really see this focus. So I'm glad we do what we do, even though sometimes I, uh, sometimes I do feel like – Don Quixote uh, uh, chasing windmills. I'm glad we're still willing to chase those windmills. So today's topic, you did great homework on it. Uh, I got an advanced look at what, we're, what you've done, and, of course, we're going to share this uh, uh, on uh, com. the whole concept of prior restraint, which is an incredibly important concept. And the history of it does not lend in favor of government. The history of prior restraint really lends, to, lends towards free press. So talk about that. Set the stage for us. Well, that, thank you. The, the, the notion of prior restraint is the idea that uh, when there's a compelling reason, the government can step in and prevent uh, the news media from uh, disseminating news that the government uh, considers problematic for whatever reason. And it actually goes back as far as uh, 1934 when the first uh, Supreme Court decision came down saying, nope, can't do prior restraint. If you got a problem with something in the news, like, you know, libel, uh, 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 there's a range of things that uh, are damaging to people that the news media sometimes do. Well, you have recourse uh, in the courts. You can sue for damages. And uh, the the key difference, though, is that in a free society with a free press, you can only do, their, do that after um, the uh, publication, after that news has been disseminated. And uh, I think the one, the one case that I'm sure, Kevin, you remember is the Pentagon Papers back in 1971, where uh, the Nixon administration argued that, uh, uh, that the information being published by the New York Times and the Washington Post was jeopardizing national security. Uh, and if there's uh, something that ought to uh, justify uh, in the minds of some that we should practice prior restraint is when publication of news would just uh, would jeopardize national security. And the Supreme Court ruled that nope, uh, the the right of the New York Times and the Washington Post to print the Pentagon Papers uh, is more important than the government's need to keep that information secret. So. Prior yeah. restraint is a bad thing, and uh, whether the court's liberal or conservative, as you indicated, that's unlikely to change. Now, the uh, the the story here is that on August 11th, the uh, police uh, chief of Marion, Kansas, which is a little city of about 1,900 people, the county of Mar um, Marion has about 12,000 people. It's very conservative; about 73% voted for Donald Trump in 2020. Anyhow, 
uh, six police officers raided the Marion County Record, which is the, uh, the the newspaper for the city and county, and also the editor's home. And they seized uh, computers and servers and reporters, cell phones and files. Uh, and this was done under a, a warrant issued by a uh, by a judge. Now, the pretext of the search was the um, uh, notes for a story about a local business owner who was filing to have uh, her liquor license renewed on her restaurant. But the um, the smoking gun, if you will, was the uh, notes that uh, the newspaper had also collected on the police chief himself. Um, uh-huh. Gideon uh, Cody is the police chief, and he used to be on the Kansas City Police Department, but he was under investigation for sexual harassment. He was uh, possibly going to be demoted, and so he uh, took the job as police chief in Marion uh, at about half the pay that he was getting back in Kansas City. Um, And this is a clear case of uh, uh, prior restraint. and so uh, the uh, the editor of the paper, a guy by the name of Eric Meyer, uh, is a former reporter for the Milwaukee Journal and also uh, a retired journalism professor at the University of Illinois. So he'd been back in Marion uh, for about two years. And um, and so um, they basically were able to put the newspaper out despite having most of their equipment taken away. And the backlash has been uh, is, has been. Uh, uh, a pretty dramatic uh, 35 news organization sent a protest letter uh, suggesting the sheriff uh, had uh, uh, was, as in their words, significantly overbroad, improperly intrusive, and potentially illegal. And uh, yeah. on the uh, on the you, you, on the, you're you're kind of like a fire hydrant in your provision of information. So. <laughs> I had to make yeah, you sorry about off, that because there's a lot there. I mean, a lot there already. And you know, first of all, on the on the Pentagon Papers, we've got to go that far back because you said a lot. You know, around that, I encourage people. It's an impossible read. I've read it before because of curiosity, just almost like taboo. Oh, they, this is so this is so scandalous that they don't uh, want us to read it. I've read those papers; they're hard to read. But you know, if you if you take that daunting task, I tell you, it's interesting. Interesting to look that the, it's clear the only reason why they did not want those published is because of the fact that it is an incredibly embarrassing look at the U.S. government created by the U.S. government. We're talking perpetual years and years of throwing human lives at a war that they pretty much make clear that they can't win, but their prestige is more important than victory. It, it essentially says that. That was the thing that Nixon was trying to uh, to uh, protect the uh, you know pre- protect the Department of Defense was was that exposure had nothing to do with protecting more lives. In fact, the Pentagon Papers may have done more to uh, save U.S. lives than any other action uh, during that era. It's that significant. And uh, on the uh, you know on on the newspaper front, you know what I don't understand is we hear about civil rights violations, civil rights violation what civil right is more important than the first amendment you know i'm not hearing yet about lawsuits and civil rights violations i'm i'm thinking criminal frankly on what happened to this newspaper it's almost like a hate crime right and i think that uh, uh 
I, I think uh, 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 the uh, police chief was uh, uh, surprised uh, in this instance uh, that uh, it's just sort of like kicking a hornet's nest. Uh, you know, there's just there's some things that you, you don't do. And uh, one of them is to uh, practice prior restraint of the news. If he had a legitimate concern, if he felt he'd been libeled uh, after the story came out, he can sue the newspaper. And that's a totally legitimate function. Uh, but to try to suppress the news before uh, we, the readers or the consumers, listeners and viewers have a chance to look at it, um, that's not allowed. And I think that's uh, an important principle uh, derived from the First Amendment that uh, the Supreme Court uh, has been uh, very um, aggressive about protecting. Yes. And, and I, you know, I, I kind of interrupted you at the sweetest part of the story, uh, over 4,300 new subscriptions to that newspaper. And that is a really small area. I would not be surprised if many, if not most, are people who don't even live in that area, but want to uh, bolster support for that paper. And I'm, I'm all for that. Props to them. Right. Well, and it turns out that if you look at their subscription base, it was only 4,000 paid subscribers anyway. So you had the 4,300, it more than doubled their, their base subscription. And, and you're right, they were mostly from, from out of uh, um, uh, Marion County. They were from all, all over the country as a, a show of support for the newspaper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I like. I love that. I hadn't even thought of that. I'm a little slow. I think I might go get me a subscription as well. So talk about this. And so, uh, we have over and over again example after example uh, of the Supreme Court shooting this down. This is where I look, you know, like, for example, and I don't want to go down there. This is one area where we probably have some disagreement though, uh, around is like the Second Amendment. You know, they, the, you know, one group only focuses on uh, guns uh, and the other group uh, doesn't even consider guns a factor. But the bottom line is whatever is legislated in that space it doesn't do very well over well, over time. It really doesn't do very well uh, because of the uh, the wording of the Second Amendment. I think the First Amendment is even more emphatic. Well, I, you know, we uh, my views on uh, Second Amendment are probably a little bit more nuanced than you're giving me credit for. Even though I am a Berniac, uh, I've uh, uh, I've had uh, losses of uh, losses of life in our family from guns. Uh, and uh, uh, so I have a sort of a visceral reaction to it. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm also somewhat skeptical as to uh, whether uh, some of the bands that are uh, being orchestrated here in California will be able to withstand uh, constitutional challenges. And to be honest with you, uh, it's, you know, as, as a hillbilly, uh, it's sort of like uh, shutting the barn door after the horse gets out. We have... Uh, yes. More, gun, more guns in this country than we have people. So I think a better way to frame the discussion where we might actually find some common ground is to stop calling it gun control and switch it to gun safety. Uh, yes. What are the things that we can do to make gun ownership safer? And maybe that means some people shouldn't have guns at all. That's a longer yep. conversation. Uh, but it also means uh, proper storage uh, uh, trigger locks. Uh, there's a lot of and and training, uh, especially when you have people, uh, you know, under the age of 18 shooting guns. They should have some kind of training about gun safety. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, I do, and, and my I only point was, 
my only point was is that the, of of the Bill of Rights, these two in particular are ones that have had plenty of opportunities to be under trial. And those who have tried to take uh, you know uh, an anti approach to them have turned up unhappy in the long run. By the time it gets to the Supremes, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room if they get to the Supremes. That was my only point. I'm pretty nuanced, too. Uh, in fact, I think the uh, current Republican narrative on guns is one like, uh, you know, it's like what is the worst possible PR uh, and marketing we could do for guns and, 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 and support of guns? What is the worst marketing and PR we could do? Just look at the Republican handbook on guns. That's that's the worst we can do, and so my, I'm kind of nuanced on it too. This unfettered, uh, really, <laughs> no no uh, safety. Uh, I like that word safety perimeters uh, unchecked. That's just been a complete disaster for guns. And so yeah, I think we're I think we may be a lot closer than we realize. Even Bernie owns a handful of guns. He's in from the biggest hunting state in the country, Vermont, one of the biggest. So yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I kind of got us. I, I derailed us to get to get back to our our uh, topic at hand. The Bill of Rights, though, the Bill of Rights are really hard to uh, to navigate. It would be so nice if uh, again we would focus on the real people who can change the way the news is handled, which is the consumer. This really, this is a great story you produce because it goes right back to that theme. You know, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, you and I have been talking for about the uh, last 27 episodes about the primacy of the consumer, that uh, there's always been misinformation floating around. It just travels at the speed of light and gets disseminated around the world very, very quickly. Um, so uh, the problem with uh, uh, misinformation and disinformation is larger than it ever was. But the solution isn't censorship, uh, and that's the tricky part. Um, and I'm speaking as a, you know, you know, Bernie Sanders liberal. Uh, they talk about disinformation and misinformation, but uh, who makes that decision? And that's the bedrock of the First Amendment: is that nobody's really qualified to decide what's true and what's false, especially when it comes to political speech. And so we let the we let the voter and the citizen and the consumer decide, um, but but they need to be better uh, equipped to deal with uh, where information comes from, who's who's it benefiting, uh, what's the reputation of that particular news outlet uh, at providing um, solid news. And I think one of the things that folks have trouble with is the idea if a publication has a liberal or a conservative. Uh, uh, editorial policy that that somehow taints the uh, taints the news pages. But I got to tell you, I read the Wall Street Journal uh, religiously, and I had friends that I went to college with that spent their entire career working for the Wall Street Journal. It's a good newspaper. Now the op-ed stuff is, you know, from my point of view, garbage. But but the reporting is rock solid. And if you want to get a different perspective on things from uh, that differs from the New York Times, read the Wall Street Journal because it, it'll be good reporting, but it comes at it from a different angle. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so I, you, you make a good point of saying that, uh, you know, are they deal, are, are, is a publication dealing with facts? 
that that really is the criteria. Sorry, they're going to have a perspective. They're going to have an opinion. I wish we'd go back to the good old days where they had pretty clear demarcation lines about uh, about what's an editorial, you know, uh, and what is not. They they you know they pretty much eliminated that, creating a lot of blurred lines. Uh, what, it, what was the evolution? They had they had a firm, very strong opinion uh, line that you could clearly see. You know, and then someone, I think it was the Washington Post, which I like the Washington Post, too. In fact, we have a phenomenal series with the Washington, Washington Post writers. We, that's been going on for a year and a half here on the show. Um, but Washington Post, I think, is the first who developed the concept of analysis, I think, either them or the Times. And then, frankly, it, we've had nothing but blurred lines ever since. Well, I I I agree with you that um, one of the difficulties is that um, publications that I, uh, you know, like to read, I enjoy, they reflect my political ideology. I'm always bothered when uh, something that um, ought to be classified as uh, opinion editorial is being um, unmarked as such. And so you think you're reading a news story and then you get halfway into it and you go, wait a minute, that's kind of your opinion. That's got, there's no factual basis for that. Uh, and so that should be labeled as uh, uh, opinion or editorial. And one of the other areas that's popped up is analysis pieces, which are, you know, kind of halfway between, you know, hard news and uh, uh, opinion editorial stuff. But my, my only point is, is that I got no problem with that content. I just want to see it labeled as such. And I think the media need to do a better job of explaining the difference because not everybody who consumes the news um, understands those kinds of distinctions. And that's again, goes right back to our core belief that uh, that uh, digital media literacy is uh, the best protection against misinformation and disinformation. Yes, yes I think that's absolutely right. Uh, in fact, I, I would love for you, you're, you're kind of like the guy in charge of our segments uh, that we do together. Why don't you write a note about us doing, uh, you know, and I think we've done this before, but it'd be good to revisit again, what are the best practices for a media outlet uh, when it comes to full disclosure, honesty, clarity about opinion, that type of thing. What are the best practices? And, and included a, a conversation on the evolution, like adding analysis and then, essentially dropping editorial pages almost altogether, uh, you know, I think that uh, I think that would be helpful for people uh, because really no, no one other than uh, I think in the United States comes even close to being really attempting to be purist uh, except for uh, the Associated Press. And they do that for economic reasons, right? Their subscribers include Fox News and the Washington Post and everything in between and things to the extremes of both of those. Well, that's a, a very good point, and I think the Associated Press, the United Press International, and Reuters uh, uh, discovered that if you're going to distribute news uh, to uh, uh, across the political spectrum, then you better stick to the facts, and uh, that's where the objective news style uh, got its impetus, uh, was the notion that this is going to run in conservative newspapers and liberal newspapers, and so... What are the facts? Now, we can disagree about what those facts mean, as you and I have said before, um, but but we have to at least agree on what the facts are. And I think that's where um, uh, where I think these times are troubling because the 
the notion of alternative facts uh, is kind of a postmodern sort of view that, yeah, well, facts are subjective. Well, I'm old school, I guess. Facts aren't subjective. If they're facts, then they're facts. And uh, we can all agree on them and then disagree about what they mean and what we should do about them. But we ought to agree on the facts. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, George Orwell would have really been angry if he heard, uh, you know, uh, what was our uh, Kellyanne Conway is the one who started talking about alternative facts, uh, not because of the usage, but because he didn't use it in 1984. That is like newspeak on steroids. Right. Yeah. It's it's not like we haven't been warned that this could happen, and there is so many things going on right now that. Uh, look like they're, you know, copyright out of the pages of 1984, uh, including uh, just saying things are the opposite of what they are. You know, things that are totally uh, at at odds with the facts, as any rational person would understand those facts to be. And uh, that's that's scary. Absolutely. Well, as always, we have more content than time. <laughs> yeah. But this is a very robust conversation, uh, you know, and I, I, I love that you pointed that out about the uh, newspaper getting a huge number of subscribers uh, as a result of, uh, you know, what has transpired. I would encourage the listener to go and uh, look at getting a subscription as well. And make sure, of course, you know, you make it clear that the reason why you're doing it is because you support free speech and their effort to maintain that. And uh, more power to them and, and for those that have done that. Um, by the way, what's that paper again, Marion? Uh, the uh, uh, Marion County uh, Record. Yeah, go, I bet it's a and cheap it's subscription, too. Go do that. That's a great thing to do. And make sure you tell them, you know, and bolster them. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I need to subscribe, too, for uh, exactly the same reasons that you outlined, Kevin. Yeah, but tell them. Tell them why, right? Because they need to know that, that, that you know, it's not because some guy in Chicago uh, has got some, you know, esoteric research project that they're doing to, that relates to Marion County. Because they don't know unless you tell them. Tell them why. Support free speech. Support that newspaper. I think I'm going to do that today. Uh, final thoughts as we wrap it up. Always love having you on, David. I. Uh, it's been great to do another segment and looking forward to do another one next month. Yeah, me too. Always, always. One of my, I get excited when I, I get kind of a layout of the week's uh, guests and, uh, oh, David's back. I need that. That's good. We need that. All right, David Dozer, make sure you check him out. DavidDozerBooks.com. Is that correct? That's correct. You got it. Yeah, make sure you check that out. We will talk soon. You are listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business radio show. I am your host, Kevin Price, speaking for more after this.